Hi, this is Sarah O'Connell. And this is Jonah Tree Blosser. Welcome back to another edition of Radio Rotary, made possible by Rotary District 7210. Each week we chat with your neighbors about great things happening in your community and around the world. People living by Rotary's motto of service above self. And today our special guest is an old friend... Old friend of Radio Rotary, Dr. Gary Lovett, who is a senior scientist at the Cary Institute, and today we'll be discussing forestry and ecology. And good morning, Dr. Gary. Hello. I'm glad to be here. And those two topics certainly go hand in hand, forestry and ecology, I would think. I would think so, too. But first, let's find out a little bit about what is the Cary Institute. So the Cary Institute is a nonprofit uh, research and education center in Millbrook. Uh, we have a number of scientists on staff, about 16 scientists, and we do all sorts of ecological research. And we also have an education program that uh, uh, has uh, programs in K-12 through education and undergraduates and, and graduate students also. And you also provide lectures and workshops and things to the public, do you not? Yeah, there is a there is a series of public programs, uh, often on Friday nights uh, in our auditorium. They're, uh, they're publicized, le- I believe, They're right? publicized pretty well. Um, and you can certainly find them on our website, which is carryinstitute.org. And um, uh, they're lectures, usually about environmental ma- uh, matters and sometimes movies, and they're very well attended. Mm-hmm. You know, folks, uh, get a pencil and paper, because uh, we'll probably repeat that website a couple of times during the course of the broadcast. So you want to talk about forestry and ecology. I think we know what uh, forestry is, but ecology, how is that different than environmentalism or environmental studies? Well, ecology is a science. It's a branch of biology, and uh, we, we study forests. We, understand, we try to study how they work and how different... Uh, factors in the environment are affecting forests. Things like, uh, like I study things like acid rain and climate change and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's climate change is what they used to call global, global warming. Global warming. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's certainly a hot topic. And we just had a. Uh, uh, we're just getting through a winter that was real warm and not very much snow. At least uh, not in the first. Not part by of the our winter. standards, yeah, right, anyway. Right. So, and that's is that part of uh, what you call climate change? Well, it's hard to attribute any given One, weather pattern right. to, okay. to climate change, but this is certainly what you'd expect from uh, a future of, uh, of global warming. All right, so let's talk about why forests are important. Um, you know, this country... Because they have it, trees in them. I, well, I understand that. Okay. I understand that. And, Dr. Gary, why are forests important you know, but no, to us but let's, let's in set our it up, environment? Let us set it up historically. I mean, you know, uh, in the early part of the this country, 1700s, 1800s, uh, probably United States was, I don't know, 90% forest, probably 95% forest, very few cities. And now the forests pretty much have been cut down throughout the country. And we have farms, we have cities, and uh, we hear about deforestation in South America. Is that a problem? Or, I mean, do we well, need more trees? Can, let's let's talk about our region, maybe, not make if it so insist. broad. I mean, okay, to, well, let's talk at, about the Northeast where we are. You're absolutely right. We used to be entirely forested, and, you know, and it said when the and when the pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock that a squirrel could go all the way from Plymouth Rock to uh, the Mississippi River without ever touching the ground. And, of course, we... we uh, well, that uh, wouldn't make me happy because I don't care for squirrels. But anyway, well, go they, ahead. They, they speak highly of, of the way. They, they do, <laughs> especially the red-headed ones, I understand. But, you know, we were... we Our ancestors were very efficient at cutting them down for farms. And uh, in the, probably the mid-1800s, our region was almost completely deforested. Right. Uh, Deforest or? Deforested. Meaning all the trees were cut down. All the trees were cut down, right. Okay. And they've grown back since. So we're actually more forested. We have more forests than you think. We have quite, it's, it's, New York State is something like 70 or 75% forested, which is, you know, which That's is pretty quite, good. It's pretty good, right. Since we have a lot of people and right. we have a lot of cows yeah. still. 
That's right. It's starting to go down a little bit right now because of uh, development uh, pressure fragmenting the forest. But You know, Dr. Gary Lovett, a senior scientist at the Cary Institute, we're talking about forestry. And uh, forests, you know, we know that trees provide wood. We know that trees provide paper. But not many people understand that trees are like an environmental engine that they take the waste air that comes out of our system, the carbon dioxide, and change it into oxygen. How is that done? Well, that's that's photosynthesis. They use right. carbon dioxide, and they and they produce uh, oxygen. So that that's truly we. And one of the one of the they big cleanse the air. They do yeah. in a sense. They cycle carbon dioxide and oxygen through the air. But one of the in the process of doing that, they take the carbon dioxide out of the air, the carbon dioxide that we put in by uh, emitting mm-hmm. fo- you know burning fossil fuels, and they store it in the wood and trees. And so that takes it out of the air, and they're sort of saving us from our own pollution to a mm-hmm. certain extent. Mm-hmm. There's a limit to the extent that they can do that, but they are very useful for that. Mm-hmm. We call so, that carbon sequestration. Are there trees that are better at it than others, or species that are better? Yes, the faster growing trees do that better, uh, but they don't live as long. And so, when the tree uh-huh. dies and rots, or if you harvest it and take it away and uh, you know use it for paper or something like that, are there then any... that carbon goes back in the atmosphere? Okay. So, I was so going to say. I mean, is there any type of environmental or or um, danger in burning wood that has a lot that has absorbed a lot of those toxins from the air? Well, are using it when it's been reproduced. The, the car- into- when you burn wood, the carbon that was stored in the wood goes mm-hmm. back into the atmosphere. So that's just like burning a fossil fuel. But then, when the tree grows again in that place, it absorbs that carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. So to- it's kind of a cycle. It's kind of a cycle. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a while for that cycle to happen, right? So you burn a burn a tree now, and it will take a hundred years for a tree to grow back. So there's a delay in that cycle. But, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. is. But so for that reason, there's less environmental impact of burning. Um, biomass, as we called it, living mm-hmm. things, than there is from burning fossil fuels. Okay. Let's get a little bit about your background, Dr. Gary Lovett, uh, senior scientist at the Cary Institute. Uh, how'd you get interested in uh, forests and ecology and all this good stuff? Well, I grew up uh, outdoors a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, my family had a, a cabin on a lake in the Helderberg Mountains, which was sort of the northern end of the Catskills, and we used to go up there every every summer and stay in that cabin, and so I spent a lot of time outdoors, and when I was uh, in college, I just sort of naturally gravitated towards a uh, uh, I was fairly good at science, and I and I gravitated toward a, uh, a job that was uh, involved some outdoor work. And, and so you went to forestry school. I didn't go to forestry school. You went I went to biology. School. Yeah, I was a biology major, mm-hmm. and then um, I was you know, I went to graduate school at Dartmouth College in, in New Hampshire, which is a lovely environment. Itself. There are a lot of trees uh-huh. there. There are a lot of trees in New Hampshire, um, and I studied uh, forest ecology up there. Oh, great. Okay, and what brought you to Millbrook and to the Cary Institute? Well, when I was, I, I, after I graduated from Dartmouth, I was a postdoctoral associate. So this is after you get your doctoral degree mm-hmm. into a training program. That was at the Oak Ridge National Lab in Tennessee. And about that time, the Cary Institute, which was then called the Institute of Ecosystem Studies, was just getting going, and they were hiring some people, and it sounded like a good job, so I applied and got it. Let's get back to uh, the, the well, problems. Well, that's of, 20-something yeah, years right. ago, right? Yes, so right. you've been there about 25 years 25 ago, years, IES, that's right. Yeah. Right. when it was still IES. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I keep bringing this up, as you know, we have Rotarians in my club in Millbrook who are on staff there yes. at the yeah. Cary yeah, Institute. Right. So It's a wonderful place. It is a wonderful, wonderful work. Place. And the yeah. website again? It's uh, www.caryinstitute.org, and Cary is spelled C-A-R-Y. Very good. And I'm going to get back to the forests and, and why they're important to us. You talked about the fact that the trees uh, cleanse the air for us and, of course, provide uh, wood. They, it provides uh, other products. Um, let's talk a little bit about what endangers our forests. You mentioned acid rain. What is that? 
So acid rain, that's a, that's a really good question because a lot of pe- people, I think, have forgotten about it. It was a big issue back in the 1980s and 1990s. And uh, acid rain is formed when we uh, mostly burn fossil fuels, particularly coal and oil, and it releases compounds into the atmosphere that f- uh, react with other compounds and produce an ac- acidic uh, solution and precipitation that rains down on us. Yeah, so it's actually... Like liquid acid. That's exactly you know, what it is. Not, yes, not as yeah. bad as it burn your skin, but no, it, doesn't it doesn't do burn the tree very, very much good. Exactly. When it gets in the soils and when it gets in the lakes, uh, it uh, causes environmental effects like um, uh, taking nutrients away from the trees or it kills fish if it's Is this bad still a problem for us? Is it still a challenge? Well, or? you know, we've done quite a bit with acid rain. The Clean Air Act amendments that were signed by uh-huh. George H.W. Bush back in 1990 uh, did a lot for reducing acid rain, but they haven't totally solved the problem. So in the Adirondacks and the Catskills, we still have a lot of streams and lakes that are recovering, but recovering very slowly. Uh, what about uh, bugs and predators, uh, you know, uh, weevils and things like that. Did that have a problem up here in the Northeast? Definitely. That's that's one of our the biggest problems for our forests. Mm-hmm. We, we have a lot of different uh, insects and diseases that have been introduced from other countries. And you've heard of some of them, I'm sure. Chestnut blight, mm-hmm. Dutch elm disease, the gypsy moth. Elm, gypsy yeah. moss. Right, those are all well, brought in. One of our biggest issues, of course, and the Cary Institute is a, is a leader in some of the research data, is my understanding, of course, is the whole thing with Lyme. That mm-hmm. that whole thing as far as, far as a bug right. goes, and right. but anyway, so gypsy moths right. and so those are the older ones that have been around for a long uh-huh. time. But there's a, a a number of new ones that have been introduced, mostly from Asia, because most of our most of our um, trade is with Asia these days. Um, that and they get in the country. Yes, they get in the country through importing two, two, two ways. Mostly, uh, they either come in on live plants, so people want to plant an Asian and tree of some sort in their garden Uh and the bug comes with it or they get in on wood packing material like pallets and things like that that come in on those containers on the ships Uh you know we're going to find out more about that in just a moment but first let remind our listeners they're in tune with radio rotary on hudson valley talk radio and around the world by podcast on itunes and at www.radiorotary.org my name is jonah tree and my co-host is the effervescent sarah o'connell and our very special guest is dr gary lovett senior scientist from the Cary institute and Sarah, who brings us Radio Rotary this week? Well, Jonah, Radio Rotary is brought to us by Rotary International, Rotary District 7210, and the Rotary Clubs of Arlington Poughkeepsie, Congers Valley Cottage, Fishkill, Goshen, Highland Hyde Park, Kinderhook, Tri-Village, Middletown. And anybody else? And Millbrook. And Millbrook. I was <laughs> waiting for that build-up. Thank and you. And we'll be back with more Radio Rotary after these important messages. In 1985, while polio was paralyzing 1,000 children a day, Rotary International committed to a goal, a goal of ending polio worldwide. Very soon now, after contributing nearly $600 million and immunizing over 2 billion children, the goal will be achieved. Eradicating polio worldwide. That is humanity in motion. That is Rotary. For information about Rotary in the Hudson Valley, visit www.rotarydistrict7210.org. Hudson Valley Talk Radio and online at hudsonvalleytalkradio.com. Juddelson, Giordano, and Siegel, CPAPC, is a full-service accounting, tax, and business consulting firm. JGS specializes in business succession planning, including ownership transition, management transition, as well as family and non-family transitions. The JGS staff works alongside you to solve the problems of your specific business or personal situation. 
JGS is conveniently located on Route 211 in Middletown, New York. To learn more, please contact JGS at 845-692-9500 or visit them on the web at www.jgspc.com. Juddelson, Giordano, and Siegel, your essential partner in business. What would you do if a friend, coworker, or a loved one collapsed? Calling 911 alone will not be enough. Over 1,000 people a day die from sudden cardiac arrest. Many can be saved with early intervention. HealthSave offers CPR courses on a daily basis at our facility in Rockland County. We'll come to your home or business if you prefer. Call us toll-free at 877-277-6233. That's 877-277-6233. Or visit our website at healthsave.com. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-S-A-V dot com. Leave the E off of save for emergencies. CPR training is for everyone. Learn CPR. Become a lifesaver. Hudson Valley Talk Radio and online at HudsonValleyTalkRadio.com. Hi, this is Smokey Bear. Welcome back to another edition of Radio Rotary. We're talking about forestry with Dr. Gary Lovett, senior scientist at the Cary Institute. And remember... Only you can prevent forest fires. Here's Smokey's special friend, Sarah O'Connell. Thank you, Jonah Smokey Trebowasser. You gave away my secret identity. Ha ha. I try, <laughs> listening audience. I do the best I can day in and day out. Thank you, Jonah. That was um, very entertaining. Thank and you very much. We are talking to Dr. Gary Lovett, who's trying to um, kind of pull himself together. <laughs> After that intro, who is a senior scientist at the Gary Institute in Millbrook, New York, and we've been discussing forestry and our ecology and our environment and acid rain and things that are impacting our basically our green life up here. Um, we did did touch on in the last segment. We want to learn more about basically the evasive bugs that have uh, certain new species that have been introduced to our environment locally and regionally, and kind of. They are they're becoming pests and and how it's impacting things. I mean a bigger so, pest than me. A bigger pest. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that one. So Dr. Gary, let's talk about alien species, not the kind that's in the movies. Alien but, um, species. We are there species. we go. We are somebody being invaded by aliens. Somebody so in the uh, studio actually asked about those stink bugs that everybody has in their houses this year over the winter. Ye- years ago, it was those little beetles that look like lady, ladybugs. Lady the ladybug oh, yeah. beetles. And this year, it's those what everybody refers to as stink bugs or potato bugs. Right. Why are they around and inside and having babies everywhere? And you know, every vacuum cleaner in Millbrook has been. I don't know why there's so many up. of them this year, uh, but you know, a lot of the bugs, the Asian lady ladybug uh, beetles that For you example. were talking about, and some of these bugs that uh, that are hurting our trees are coming in because we have so much global trade going on. That That's increasing. And as uh-huh. we do that, we bring in products uh, primarily from Asia now, and these bugs are often hitchhiking with them. So they're in, they're in the packing material, the crates. The yeah, they ships. can, you know, some of the well, wood you boring. You mentioned how they, got, how they got into the country. Yeah. And it, it seems to me when I've traveled abroad, they're so, try to be so careful about what you have and what you're bringing back. And you, ha- you know, there's so many rules. So right. how is this happening? Yeah, well, think about if you go to a major port, you have all these huge ships are coming in they're full of these containers that contain products and only a very small proportion of them can ever be inspected even though there are rules 
Uh, we don't have enough inspection to really enforce oh, okay. those rules very well. And some of them are brought in, like there's there's a bug right now called the hemlock woolly adelgid that's killing all our hemlock trees. So that's, oh. hemlocks are the major evergreen tree uh-huh. uh, around here. Uh-huh. They're all they dying from They used to be the queens or kings of the forest. Right. They so. are the major old growth tree. So uh-huh. it's, it's an experience that I can't really describe walking through an old growth hemlock forest. It's quiet and dark and cool and, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing experience. It's like a Disney movie. Right. Right. And all it's, likes Beauty and the Beast or something. Right. Those are those it's, hemlock forests. That's what conjures up in my mind. It's kind of like a cathedral that. when you're in there. Uh-huh. But they're all dying from this from this bug that and was brought in from Asia. And what does it look Asia. like? Well, this time of year, Can it looks like... you recognize it? Yes, or? if you look at the underside of the twig, mm-hmm. it's a fuzz, a white fuzz, and the, the insect is inside that white fuzz. Um, so you can see if your hemlock trees are infested with this bug, but uh, you know over a certain amount of time it will kill the tree. Uh-huh. We're doing some research now, trying you know in some in some areas um, they're not killed as efficiently as others, and we're doing some research trying to figure that out. But we know what's what's limiting the spread of this bug is cold winter nights. They're sensitive to the well, cold. We haven't had too many of those. That's exactly right. As the climate warms, this bug will will spread more. So uh, we expect that it will spread throughout the whole range of the hemlock tree before too long, and we'll lose them all. Dr. Gary Lovett, senior scientist uh, at the Cary Institute. Um, we have a lot of listeners, I'm sure, who have wooded properties. Um, what do you suggest to them about going around inspecting the trees? Or if they want to plant new trees, um, what do you suggest to folks like that? Well, you know, certainly don't plant a hemlock because their days okay. are numbered, I would say. There's another species, emerald, uh, a bug called emerald ash borer that's affecting our ash trees. That's probably going to wipe out that right. entire genus of ash trees in our, in our area. Wow. So that's another Asian, Asian bug. So that's another one not to plant. You know, you might think ahead if you're planting new trees because it's going to get warmer because of climate okay. warming. And you might think of plant trees that, are, that grow further to the south, uh, you know, things like uh, tulip poplar and... Uh, Oaks and things like that. Mm-hmm. Might we see? Might we see palm trees in, in Millbrook? Uh, not not right away. You know, maybe it would be great if we could grow mangoes and things yeah. like that. But I don't think that's going to happen right away. Subtropical mm-hmm. or tropical, right. cl- more climates. Well, what do you think about clear cutting? That's a big topic in where I live in the northwest corner of Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, there's certainly a lot of research that shows that uh, clear cuts, uh, especially larger clear cuts, can have a really detrimental uh, effect on water quality and erosion and things like that. So you have to be very careful with them. Um, and probably for most cases, some sort of selective harvesting that doesn't take all the trees at once is, mm-hmm, a, be- is a better mm-hmm, option. Mm-hmm. And there are people out there that can help you manage properties, too. Absolutely. That's if a- you're planning on cutting uh, anything in your forest, you should contact a forester and get a management plan for them. Mm-hmm. So Gary Levitt, let's talk a little bit about the Cary Institute and what uh, not only the kind of uh, work they do with uh, outstanding scientists such as yourself, but the programs they offer to the public. What kind of things, if they go on that website, which is? www.caryinstitute.org. What kind of uh, programs do you offer the public? And uh, you know, do you offer tours? They come and see things. Get there education? are the, the grounds are open to the public. We have a number of trails uh, that go through very beautiful areas of the grounds. Right. So and the exact location of the property is. It's uh, on Route 44 in Millbrook, just a little bit outside of the village of Millbrook. Okay. And besides the trails, what okay. else do you offer? Well, um, we have uh, a series of public programs that. Uh, as I said, they're, they're in our auditorium, usually on Friday nights, uh, and there are uh, lectures or movies. Uh, the last, last Friday night, there was a movie about the origins of the universe. Uh, previous lectures have been about things like climate change, or we had one on uh, coastal erosion. I'm just trying to think of some of the mm-hmm. ones that went on. If you go on the website, you can see what's coming up, but we have, have them scheduled for the next few months. But they're usually environmentally oriented 
topics, but they're uh, not they're speakers who are used to speaking to the public, so sure. they're they're very they're, well done. They're well done. Yeah. Now, in the past, and and l- let us know if you're still doing this. They've also offered um, certificate programs, or they've had instructors come in for uh, specialized programming, like in in gardening things like that. Are are you still doing that? At no, Curie? that that or part of the program's been phased, phased out, out, and we're okay. focusing our education efforts more on K through twelve education gotcha. and undergraduate and education. It, and also, you go, you do, you are available to go into the school system. Correct. Our, our, on a, if they contract you, type of situation. Yes, right? if you contact our education uh, program, they can they do work with school districts for various kinds of educational. Oh, activities. it's a lot going on. And how many scientists do you have on staff at Cary at this time? Right at the moment, there's about uh, sixteen or seventeen, and I say that because some of our scientists are postdoctoral associates that come and go, and uh-huh. so it, it varies a little bit, but it's a, about that number. Mm-hmm. Each of the scientists has their own research program, and then we're doing thing, work on streams and lakes and forests and. And Carrie is a 501c3? Yes, it's a nonprofit. It's a nonprofit. And where does most of your funding come from? We have an endowment that provides uh, about 40% of the funding or so. The rest of it comes from uh, grants, mostly federal grants, from places like the National Science Foundation, the Department of Agriculture, and things like that. You're in tune with Radio Rotary on Hudson Valley Talk Radio. I'm Jonah Trebois, and my co-host is Sarah O'Connell, and our guest is Gary Lovett. Dr. Gary Lovett, senior scientist at the Cary Institute of Ecosystem Studies, and we're talking about forestry and ecology. Um, in the first part of the show, uh, Dr. Gary, you talked about uh, climate change, which used to be called global warming. What's the prognosis? Uh, we're just going to get warmer and warmer. Are things going to are hurricanes going to get worse? Are the storms going to get worse? The flooding going to get worse? Or is there hope to uh, sort of reverse things and get back to uh, what used to be called normal? Yeah, that's a great question, um, and. Certainly, there's hope, uh, but as as uh, as we're going along right now, it looks like the carbon dioxide emissions are not being reduced at all. Uh, there, a number of predictions were made in the early 2000s about where the carbon dioxide concentration in the atmosphere. It's carbon dioxide that causes this global warming, and that's released from burning fossil fuels for the most part. Like gasoline. Gasoline right. and, and coal and uh, oil and right. pr- all sorts of... Uh, and they call them fossil fuels because they come from the di- age of the dinosaurs. And they're That's right. They're, they come from a long time ago, and they've been buried for a long time. Right. And right. Uh, we dig them up and burn them. And, right. that, and that adds that carbon into the atmosphere as carbon dioxide. And that warms the planet. It acts like a big blanket over the planet. Mm-hmm. So as I said, those carbon dioxide emissions have been going up uh, and um, not down. And we need to level them off in order to solve this problem. I mean, we were locked into a certain amount of warming just because of the carbon dioxide we've added to the atmosphere already. But certainly the climate is getting warmer. It's going to continue to get warmer. And there are going to be a number of impacts uh, from that that we already know about. The rising sea level, uh, changing vegetation, spreading diseases, things like that. Now, Dr. Gary, I love it. In a minute we have left, uh, let's talk to some of the young people out there. Are there, uh, is there future careers in ecology and forestry and this kind of scientific work? Yeah, there's, a, I think, a lot of careers in environmental science. Not all of them are like mine, research, but there are certainly research careers at uh, research institutions uh, for the government and also uh, in colleges and universities. But there's a lot of environmental consulting firms. There's a lot of uh, nonprofit agencies, NGOs, and things yeah. like that that need environmental scientists. And so. they can learn about that at what website? Carryinstitute.org. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Gary Lovett of the Cary Institute, thank you so much for joining us on Radio Rotary. It's a great pleasure to have you. It's great to be here. Thank nice you very much. Nice to see you. Dr. And Sarah, Gary, who nice do we have to, to Sarah? Who do we have to thank for bringing us Radio Rotary Jonah, this week? Jonah, Jonah, we yes, are dear. brought to uh, 
our listening audience, Radio Rotary is brought to us by Rotary International, Rotary District 7210, the clubs of Newburgh, New City, New Paltz, New Windsor, Cornwall, North Rockland, Pleasant Valley, Red Hook, Rhinebeck, and Southern Ulster. Sarah O'Connell, this is Jonah Trebowasa. Thank you for tuning in and inviting you to join us again next Friday morning for another edition of Radio Rotary right here on Hudson Valley Talk Radio.